This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. From Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Natalie. And we are the Art History Babes. So you guys, sometimes in the world of content creation, technology does not work out as planned. Files get lost. Things break. Shit happens. (laughs) Yeah, really is what it comes down to. So we recorded an episode on Ruth Rippon many, many moons ago. Yeah quite a few moons ago and we went to go edit it and only half of it was there (laughs) I think it might have been my fault I cleaned out my computer fairly recently I must have lost half the file or something so what's going to happen is today you're going to get an introduction (laughs) an introduction to Ruth Rippon from us and then we're gonna get in the time machine we're gonna go back about six months and then you're gonna get to hear the second half of the episode (laughs) so that'll be fun but here we are in the present day July 2018 (laughs) and we're gonna talk about Ruth but before we do fun thing we have a new giveaway that we want to chat about So giveaway from today, July 17th to August 17th, you can be entered to win a giveaway. The giveaway includes a exhibition catalog of a Ruth Rippon exhibition. So beautiful catalog, wonderful pictures, wonderful images, all about the artist we're going to talk about today. Mm -hmm. A Art History Babes trademark t-shirt in cranberry color. Size small, but a roomy small. So a roomy small, yeah, you can do a lot with it. You could cut it. You could make it a crop top you if could. you wanted. You, you can make it a tank top if it's big on you. You could sleep on it if it fits you. You just wear it. Yeah, <laughs> so many options. <laughs> a lot of things you can do. Uh, Put it on your dog. Send us a picture because that'd be awesome. Oh, art history, babe, dog. That should be our next giveaway is send us a picture of your pet with some of our merch. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You'll be entered in the giveaway. I love that idea. So Ruth Rippon exhibition catalog, Art History Babes trademark t-shirt, a 
print of The Four of Us in Berlin that was printed by our featured artist, Zach Clark. A lovely, simple necklace by a lovely listener named Ali Bremer, who does handmade jewelry. And a magic crystal from Mount Shasta, California. If you know, you know. It's from Soul Connections. Enough said. It's straight magic up there, you guys. So that is what is included in the giveaway. And if you want to be entered into the giveaway, all you have to do is head over to our store at arthistorybabes.com. Every purchase that you make is an entry into the giveaway. So every item that you purchase, if you buy a t-shirt and a coffee mug, that's two entries. And it also includes the prints by our featured artist at Clark. So he has a print set that are for sale on our website at arthistorywaves.com. Those also are up for grabs for the giveaway. Confabulation is a river. Yes. Such a dope name. It really is. It's a triptych of prints. Yes. So you can buy a print set that will get you entered into the giveaway. Also, we are launching stickers today. Mm-hmm. So a four pack of stickers. Those will also get you in the giveaway. All kinds of cool stuff. So head over to arthistorybabes.com and check out the merch. Get entered into the giveaway. You have exactly one month from today. One month. One month. Did we have anything else we needed to talk about before we dived into Roost? New YouTube video. Yeah, there's more YouTube content out there. Just going to keep yelling at you guys to subscribe to our YouTube channel. So you should probably get on that. Just posted our San Diego art vlog. It's a fun one. We're also recording today. So we'll have another video for you guys soon. So yeah, get subscribed to our YouTube channel. I think that's it. Without further ado, Ruth Rippon. All right, Ruth. Ruth is a Northern California artist. She has lived and worked in the Sacramento area, which is where we are. So we are quite partial to her. We went to a exhibition of her work back at the beginning of the year at the Crocker Museum of Art. And it was dope. It was. They did a great job. It was really cool. So Ruth Rippon. She was born January 12th, 1927 in Sacramento, California. So we've got a pragmatic Capricorn on our hands. Oh, yeah. A sea goat. She's a twin, which I love me a good set of twins. I really do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Corey. (laughs) Uh, She has a twin brother, Jack William, and a younger brother named Sam. She knew she wanted to be an artist from a young age and her parents were very pragmatic people. I also assume she was because she's a Capricorn. Right. Were they Capricorns too? <laughs> Just a family of Capricorns. Because she and her twin brother obviously were. So that's at least two in the family. At least. It's a lot of Capricorn. Oh my energy. gosh. Could you imagine? No. <laughs> so intense. It's so much. I'm saying that as a Capricorn so no one get offended. And I'm a Capricorn moon. So we're basically just self-dragging right now. <laughs> So her parents were very pragmatic, 
but they encouraged her creativity, but they also want her to develop practical skills, which, you know, is just yeah, smart. Exactly. <laughs> That's good advice. Good parents. Yeah. Find a happy medium between your creativity and just other skills. So Ruth learned typing and secretarial skills. She enrolled in the teaching certificate program at the California College of Arts and Crafts, which is now the California College of the Arts in Oakland. So instead of going into a studio program, she enrolled to become a teacher. Once again, smart, pragmatic. The requirements for the teaching certificate were much more versatile and Ripon credits the program as introducing her to ceramics. So basically kind of set the tone for the rest of her career. It took one ceramics class to ignite Ripon's passion for the medium, and she would go on to explore and elevate the medium in many ways, as you will find out. She is a prolific ceramicist and is constantly exploring new styles and techniques, which we definitely saw evidenced in her exhibition. So many different styles. Very, very versatile. It looked like, like a group show of ceramicists yeah. working in different Really styles did. and some stuff was so abstract and like earthy mm -hmm. and other stuff was very literal and political some had a lot of color some were monochromatic mm -hmm. all of it some were referencing mythological stories others were biblical yeah biblical stories others were referencing modern artists you had really like this crazy spectrum of things mm -hmm. going on yeah, so she was never limiting herself to a particular style or method. We talk about this all the time, but that tends to kind of be a feminine thing. Yeah. We just, we, we're, we're observing here. We're not making any assumptions. I'm sure we have in the past actually probably made connections <laughs> and assumptions about that. But there's just a lot of female artists that we've talked about that they do not stick to one thing. And mm -hmm. then when you think of other really famous male artists, like you think of Jackson Pollock or Mark Rothko, they stuck to one yeah. thing. And who knows the reasons why. Maybe it has something to do with not being so much in the spotlight that female artists felt yeah. they had the room to explore. Which is something we've talked about and kind of the idea that women tend to wear many hats mm -hmm. in the modern world. And so maybe that has something to do with it too. Just the pragmatism that comes with learning to do a lot of things. Yeah. So you're not limited. Whereas male artists seem to want to establish their style and yeah. kind of put a sticker on it like this is mine I created this and this is how I'm going to kind of keep creating yeah especially up through modernism mm -hmm, mm -hmm. up through that style I think you know moving into the contemporary world we have way more yeah. versatility but as I'm saying that I'm thinking of like Anselm Kiefer and like other male artists that I love that have a lot more breadth mm -hmm. within their work anyway I digress so Ruth's teaching career she was the only female professor in her department when she was hired at Sac State. That is Sacramento State, for those of you not in this we, area. Uh, we call it Sac out here in, in Northern California. <laughs> You'll get used to it. <laughs> so she forged a trail not only in ceramics, but also as a female artist. And she taught hundreds of students in the Sacramento area ceramics. And this was before TB9. If you're not familiar with TB9, it is a small ceramic studio and a building on the UC Davis campus, which is where we attended yeah, grad I, school. I feel like I've said this before, but I, I think only people that went to UC Davis. You probably Davis. said this the first time we recorded this <laughs> yeah. episode. I think only people that 
one went to UC Davis and two knew anything about the arts know what TV9 yeah. is. Yeah. Oh, there are plenty of people that went to UC Davis that have no idea what a TV9 <laughs> is. But it's if you're, you know, in the know of the arts world at UC Davis or just of the ceramics world, TV9 is a big deal. A lot of famous artists came out of there. Most notable is Robert Arneson, who was buddies with Ripon, which I think is just cute. Yeah, we should definitely do an episode on this, especially because we all went to UC Davis. But there was just a crew of artists in the 70s mm-hmm. that were really important contemporary artists that just hung out and had this cool thing together, like a collective almost. And I don't know, I like to imagine that they used to like party in the studios the like way that we, we did. did. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so too. So it's a really interesting group of people and I think that would be a fun episode to kind of dive further into the UC Davis Sacramento area artists in the 70s. Yeah, I feel like because we are living here, we have the pleasure of knowing about them. But I've realized that not a lot of people outside of California or like on the West Coast know a lot about West Coast art. So we know because we're here, but outside of that, it's not as well known. I feel like getting a master's degree at UC Davis, like UC Davis is not known to be a arts school. But it was and a lot of people don't know that. Exactly. So like UC Davis is known for the veterinary program. Agriculture, Agriculture. viniculture. So sciences, basically. Mm -hmm. It's, It's a very STEM school. Yes. And people are like, oh, art. But... So, like, I think UC Davis does tend to be like, well, we were actually kind of this hub of art for a long time. Mm-hmm. In fact, in the 70s, and it's still a really good program, but in the 70s, the UC Davis MFA program was one of the biggest in the nation. Yes. So, yeah, a lot of people don't realize that a lot of people, a lot of really important artists were hanging out in this small agricultural town in Northern California making art, you mm-hmm. know? So yeah, it's just an interesting community and and group of artists that would be fun to pick apart a little bit more. Totally. And Ripon taught pottery and sculpture for most of her life, even through uh, some turbulent times, like the Vietnam War. That was a turbulent time. Yeah. And young adults, as you probably know, were experiencing widespread apathy. And it's really hard to teach apathetic students. We know. We actually were talking about this like two hours ago. (laughs) It's hard. And, you know, you can have brilliant students that just don't care. (laughs) There's not much you can do about it. But I think that's something we're struggling with now. I'm sure. It's so easy to be apathetic. I have days where I want to give up on everything, you know? Like, I think when times are tough in the socio-political climate, you can just kind of give up on your personal pursuits very easily. So yeah, it's hard to justify making ceramics, but yet it's so important that you do. Yeah, you know? which was Ripon's message. So she did not let the political climate affect her classes, and she still taught her students with the same vigor and structure. Which, in hindsight, I'm sure at the time, some students were very frustrated by that fact. But in hindsight, that's what you have to do. Dude, that's what I feel like I get into these weird funks with our sociopolitical climate. And at the end of the day, you just have to, like, do whatever your chosen path is. Like, Mm -hmm. whatever your art is. You can't 
get bogged down by all of it because it's not doing anybody any good. You need to like focus on your craft and you need to keep creating and keep moving forward or else what's the point, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of cliche, but you got to start small with what you are doing and what you're creating. And if every day you are putting the time and energy into creating something that's important to you and positive and putting that out there you're making the world better like even if it's a very small footprint you're making it better you will affect people i mean don't be apathetic if you are for a second that's okay feel it and then let it go and then get back to work get back to work that's really all you can do you know and once again it's a very pragmatic approach but a necessarily pragmatic approach in a very difficult situation yeah you have to forge on and keep doing things remember this is a generation of people that were watching their loved ones or themselves were being drafted Mm -hmm. and sent off to die for what appeared to be no reason no one knew why so (laughs) no one still knows why we're in a really bad place but we're not quite at that place so (laughs) silver lining i don't know it's not it's not a good one it's not a good silver lining but if they got through it we'll get through it guys just Just keep your head down and stay positive and we'll figure something out keep showing up to your classes keep making yeah whatever knowledge is power (laughs) (laughs) we're getting so (laughs) off okay that's okay though i like the overall message knowledge is power (laughs) just all the cliches right now you guys i know right but that's the thing you realize as you get older Well, they start to make sense to you. Yeah, that's the thing about cliches. When you're younger, you know cliches are cliches because they just are. But the moment cliches start clicking with you, you're just like, oh, shit. You're like, I just became 2% more adult. Yeah, you're like, that is a real thing. It's Mm -hmm. a reason it's a cliche. Yeah, yeah. That's like 80% of becoming an adult is recognizing how true cliches are. (laughs) You heard it here first. But anyways, back to Ruth. So, yeah, she was just a badass instructor. A lot of her students, they might have been apathetic or frustrated at the time, really appreciated her commitment to her teaching. To this day, a lot of her students still have been supportive of Ruth Rip on exhibitions and have showed up and, and kind of been a and part. And speak so highly of her. I think in the exhibition catalog, it kind of goes over that in their student testimonials. And she really made an impact. Yeah, definitely. So definitely. those of you too who are thinking about going into arts education, you can make a huge impact. Especially at a really hard, difficult, confusing time. Yes, Like people need something to believe in. And they need structure and they need someone who is comfortable working through things in this capacity. Yeah, definitely. So be be a Ruth to someone. (laughs) Just be a Ruth. (laughs) Creative Arts League. The Creative Arts League Sacramento or CALS, C-A-L-S, is a Sacramento organization co-founded by 10 women in 1952. Their aim is to bring outstanding works of local contemporary artists to the community. This was especially important at the time because there weren't private galleries showing contemporary work in Sacramento. Five years after their inception, Ruth joined the organization. And 60 years later, she's still a prominent member of the organization. Just a little fun fact, the California Arts League began at the E.B. Crocker Gallery which evolved into the Crocker Art Museum Sacramento, which we talk about a lot because we're in the area. Mm -hmm. So it's our local favorite that we hit up a lot. 
the Creative Arts League Sacramento sponsored a solo retrospective exhibition for her in 1971. And she was the first female in the museum's history to have a solo show. How dope is that? It's pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) And it's especially cool because this year has been... The Crocker has hosted a lot of female solo shows this year and we were talking to one of the curators who was kind of joking it's like the year of the woman i think he was joking back last year when they were upcoming and so it's just nice to see the crocker going from having their first solo female artist in the 70s to like four yeah starting this year yeah yeah that's amazing so great so yeah ruth Ripon. we're gonna take a little break and afterwards We're going to come back and we're going to be in in the past. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to hear from four or five months ago, Corey Natalie. (laughs) And we will talk about some of her works and kind of go in a little bit deeper. So yeah, we'll we'll see you in a bit. (laughs) We'll see you in the spring. (laughs) This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. We're back. Talking about ceramicist, NorCal native, Ruth Ripon. Oh, Ruth. You ceramic wizardess. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a witch, huh? Maybe. Is the opposite of wizard a witch? I always think witch and warlock, but I don't really really Hmm. know. Yeah, I think wizard is more unisex because you would call Hermione a wizard, right? Well, I also think like witch is becoming gender neutral because I know. Whoa, I have not experienced that yet. I have. I have seen the whole like dudes can be witches and I'm like, yeah, dudes can be witches. Oh, I like that. I have not heard it yet, but I like it. (laughs) I mean, why not? And to keep going with that, ladies can be warlocks. Like, why not? You know, gender is fluid, people. (laughs) In case you haven't heard. (laughs) So we're going to look at some of our favorite works because we have this really beautiful catalog with just like some incredible images of Mm -hmm. different works by Ruth Rippon. And as we explained, she had incredible versatility. So try to stay with us, folks. We're going to be creating an array of images for your mind. (laughs) Close your eyes, tune in, and visualize. Mm, Tune in, drop out. All right, here we go. (laughs) So I want to talk about some of my favorite were her monoliths and just a lot of her works that explore natural forms, I think are really fun and interesting. All right, so she created two monoliths, Waterfall Monolith 1 and Waterfall Monolith 2 in 1983. And they're abstractions of waterfalls but they're kind of this like monolithic structure that is made up of both 
tubular, like long tubular shapes, but then like organic, like round, almost like rock-like shapes. Mm -hmm. And then there's also following the lines of the tubular shapes, there's balls in a row. So it looks like a row of beads. Yeah. It's flowing in one direction and has a very organic like waterfall type Exactly. But at the same time, I don't know that if you'd look at it, you'd be like, that's a waterfall. You know what I mean? I think that's true. It's abstracted to a point that it leaves a lot of room for interpretation. It does. If you have the context and the title, I think you immediately start to see the stylized waterfall and it all becomes very evident. And yeah, the tubular forms you were talking about. I don't know why I just see like stylized hair. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because it reminds me of, did you ever have those Play-Doh tools? Yeah. You put the Play-Doh in the thing, you press down on the lever and the hair would come out. Mm -hmm. Oh, I loved that stuff. That's kind of what it looks like is that wavy, but also consistent kind of stylized hair. Yeah, definitely. And it's not painted or anything. It's in a, what's what's the color? Like a bronzish. Yeah, definitely earthen tones, kind of like a, almost like a sandstone, but a little more stone way gray. Yeah. And did we talk about the scale yet? I don't think They're big. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, these are pretty much almost human size. Bigger than human sized, right? No, I think they're slightly smaller than, they weren't, I don't think they were quite as tall. Maybe they were right around our size because I'm a little smaller than Corey. (laughs) So to me, they seemed huge. And to Corey, she's like, they're about human size. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They weren't like overpowering, but they are like, yeah, they're they're about the size of a general human. (laughs) The waterfall monoliths, kind of a similar style. She created Ascension Wing in 1970. So this one was actually prior to the waterfalls, but it's very... Very similar, but this one I think is really powerful Mm -hmm. because she uses the round forms and kind of builds them on top of each other. And then some of those like tubular forms kind of are working out of the round forms. And it has this very, I feel like I'm looking under a microscope, some kind of cell or something like something organic. Mm -hmm. But then it's attached to these beautiful wings. There's something literal going on there. So I guess it, in my opinion, has a little bit of a surrealist feel to it because there is something figural mixed with this abstraction it's a really beautiful piece it almost seems like an abstraction of an archangel to me yeah 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 it's like mixing notions of what a traditional angel what the representation of a traditional angel is with maybe like new age conceptions yes. of like spirituality and yeah angel i like that i like that a lot and again large scale meant to be put in nature and i don't think we talked about this but the monoliths before were built for a garden for someone's backyard so she's building them as almost installation pieces to be literally placed within nature so these organic shapes are kind of being realized in their placement. Yes, yes. They, they fit. Are, they are in conversation. In with conversation. their environment. And now for something completely different. She did a few different works that are considered like her block works. 
ones that were the first lady blocks, which are highly politically charged. Mm -hmm. And these are very much in like a pop art style. And as we mentioned before, she's responding to kind of the minimalist at the time, most sculptural blocks were super minimalist, you mm-hmm. know, very, and that was like the thing. These are very ornate. They have portraits of several f- first ladies in a very like colorful, kind of like a caricature type yeah. form. And she's kind of poking fun, like making satirical commentary to the game of politics. So these blocks are representing like die in a game. And at the same time, possibly feminist nod to the women that were behind the men at the time. But the thing about Ruth Rippon's work is I feel like when she was making big statements, it was always in this like playful way. You know what I mean? Like it was just like, Uh Very tongue-in-cheek. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, exactly like Corey said. They're a response to minimalism. It's a response to the white cube, and she's coming back at them with these really ornate cubes, and they're almost grotesque children's blocks. And I don't mean that as an insult, but they are a little bit unsettling in style. Like, they're meant to be a little bit grotesque. And... The dye thing is great, too, because they're representing different sides of the same coin, if you will. They'll have phrases. Generally, like two sides will have text and they'll be almost opposing forces or opposing ideas. So she's really interested in this kind of like duality, but in a very playful way. Yeah, yeah. It's super playful. Very in this exact same style as the First Lady blocks, she has the ABC blocks and DEF blocks. And they, once again, playful, but in a little more in-your-face way, are straight up juxtaposing children's blocks with really intense ideas. Like, mm-hmm. for example, I'm looking at the C block and you see an image of a cat and it says cat on it, like a children's block. And then on the adjacent side, it says corruption, confrontation and conformity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in very playful writing. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. all there's a lot going on and you got to be kind of quick witted and fun to follow along with what she's doing because These it are is the type of blocks I want my future children. Right. To play with. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so sharp and such a cunning sense of humor but it's amazing yeah what's this one d is for dog and then adjacent draft drugs democracy dilemma defense destiny Oof. <laughs> so yeah they're really fun and they're really colorful and very ornate which i love even in just the lettering they have kind of like a psychedelic poster feel mm-hmm. to them you've got like big bubbly letters and like wavy words and things like that yeah so she's really once again incorporating so many different like styles and ideas I think these are brilliant. I think these are I do too. so smart. Yeah. And I have to say, when we went to see the show, I think it was the main photo was her first lady mm-hmm. blocks. And I didn't know what to think. I remember looking at them and just being kind of confused. Yeah. Out of context, just seeing a photo of these ceramic blocks and just feeling so <laughs> perplexed and just having no idea what we were walking into. Yeah, which was completely different from the first sculptures in the show when you first walk in. Mm -hmm. Entirely different style. Entirely different message. Yeah, when you first walk in, we were looking at her classical vessels and things. The Europa, the rape of Europa scenes. Mm -hmm. and uh, Which are 
very beautiful. Uh-huh. Like her more classic stuff is just gorgeous and and does still have this element of something very contemporary to them. Like she does have her own spin on it, but it's 100% different than the more pop art and yeah. stuff. And then real quick, I just want to mention my favorite. So as I mentioned, she would engage with art history in just very literal ways and do art historical reference tableaus. And she did a few different ones. She did (laughs) Nitty Magritte, my favorite one, Toulouse-Lautrec, like T-O-O space L-O-O-S-E Lautrec. And it's this tableau of Toulouse-Lautrec sitting on a little stool doing a painting and it's super playful and very cartoonish like it reminds me of stop animation you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. Um, claymation claymation yep. yeah little claymation little claymation Toulouse-Lautrec <laughs> And then what was the other one? Okay, Seurat, Seurat, but the second Seurat <laughs> is like Georges Seurat. So just clever, fun things. I have a feeling she just did these for the hell of it. And mm-hmm. I love that. Once again, just totally imagining, but I imagine her like giggling to herself as she, she made these. I hope she did. I, I know when we saw them at the exhibit, I think I laughed out loud. Oh, for sure. And we were like the only ones because the rest were media people and we were the art historians. So we're like, like this is so funny. We get it. <laughs> too loose, the trick. He was too loose, too. He was kind of drunk all the time. Mm-hmm. I just learned that, actually. I mean, like, I kind of knew that, but I was reading a book. <laughs> you had an inkling? Yeah, but I was reading a book. I'm currently reading a book about the daily habits of famous people. And <laughs> it was, like, part of Toulouse-Lautrec's daily schedule to get drunk. <laughs> well, he drank a lot and didn't sleep very much. Bad combination. I know, right? But, yeah, they're super fun. The Magritte one's really fun, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love it. They're fantastic. Yeah. So, once again, just something completely different. Just mixing it up. Mixing it up. And to top off some of her more famous works are the lollies. Lollies. Which the name is just too good. Lollies stands for little old ladies. And her most famous lollies are at the Pavilion Shopping Center, which it's the Pavilions Mall in Sacramento. And it was commissioned based off of a small scale sculpture that she had done in the 60s of two little old ladies just sitting together and they're very relaxed in style. They're very kind of round women. The owners of this shopping mall commissioned it because they found the lollies to be very welcoming, but also kind of relaxed and in this smart dress. So it's almost like a like a non-confrontational sculpture, I yeah, guess. Yeah. They're like, oh, come on. Look at these little ladies. Come on in. Like, Everyone is welcome, which is so simple, but also cool. I don't know. Yeah, no, I feel like the lolly sculptures are like old lady goals. Like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like you just want to like hang out and be an old lady. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're just these chill little ladies who make it look fabulous and not fabulous in like an obnoxious way. Just great. Like the kind of life you'd want to lead. I don't know if we mentioned this before, but pretty much every subject in Ripon's works are female yeah the so, vast majority yeah, of we her subjects talked about this 
she deals with the feminine a lot, mm-hmm. which is also really important because she really championed the idea of ceramics being on the level of fine art mm-hmm. because this is a topic we've talked about before, but ceramics was considered in the realm of craft. Yeah. I mean, she started at the California College of Arts and Crafts, mm-hmm. which then later became the College of Arts. So they took out that crafts craft part because thing. I think they realized that it That's just dumb. by like <laughs> specifying craft, it's differentiating craft. Yeah, and, exactly. you know, th- they solved the problem. So so she was just in to this idea of craft being fine art, which, as we know, has a connection to subjugation of women mm-hmm. and, and feminist ideals. And she definitely explored a lot of times nature is associated with the feminine. Like she explored topics concerning the feminine, the first ladies. But I also feel like she did it in a way that wasn't like, I am making feminist art. No. It was just like, I'm just exploring these things because they resonate with me, you know? She seemed to be, and I don't know this for sure, but my perspective is that she was feminist in the way that she wasn't always focusing on women and women's issues as like the main point. She just spoke to her experience and she just lived her life the way that she wanted to. And she chose subjects that she related to and Mm -hmm. understood. And that was women. You know, she, she was a woman. She resonated (laughs) with the feminine. She hung out with women and she, that was just the norm to her. She wasn't looking to make necessarily a grand statement. She was just making a statement by being true to herself and what she knew and what she believed. I totally agree. Um, And, And I get that feeling from all of her work definitely it's unapologetically feminine in subject but never trying to be overbearingly feminine or like trying to seek it out it's just there it's just omnipresent understandably and then lastly this show that we keep talking about is called exuberant earth ceramics by ruth ripon and it was curated by the crocker's associate curator christina gilmore who gave us an amazing walk through the show and really got us learning about the amazing Ruth Rippon. Yeah, and one of her good friends was there also, so we got some like firsthand anecdotes about. Yeah, that was the woman I was saying who was super involved in the California Arts League. Her name was Susan Willoughby. Susan Willoughby, thanks. Thank you, Susan. For all the info. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a great exhibit and she's just, you know, one of the many examples of hidden gem artists that you might not know anything about. So you should definitely look into her work. I kind of want to wrap up with this paragraph from the catalog. Yeah, let's do it. In 2002, Ripon was designated a California living treasure, which is just a great thing. (laughs) by the Creative Arts League Sacramento and was honored by Mayor Heather Fargo and the Sacramento City Council. Ripon's legacy is profound, but beyond her hometown, it is perhaps not yet as visible as it should be. Due to her modest nature, Ripon has never pursued the limelight, but her advocates and admirers have other plans. Championing the trailblazing artists who played a key role in making ceramics a fine art and clay a major sculptural material. It is fitting that this exhibition takes place in 2017, the year of the artist's 90th birthday. And at the Crocker Art Museum, a venue that has proudly exhibited Ripon's work on many occasions over the years and richly benefited from her enduring, inestimable contributions to the ceramic arts. Boom. And just to tack on to that, I had jotted down that they had 90 works on display oh, to represent her 90 years fun. of life. Yeah. I love it. I love stuff like that. I know, right? So happy birthday. Actually, so is 
she 91 now she would have just turned 91 yeah because yeah 2017 would have yeah. been 90 years so she is 91 she was 91 on january 12th happy belated ruth Ripon. happy birthday ruth I don't know. I mean, I've, I haven't spent a lot of time with ceramics. So I haven't is, either. I think one of my first like deep dives into ceramics. Yeah. My grandma, though, has always been really into ceramics. I mean, she's into all arts. She's been super into photography. She does it all. <laughs> she, she does it. Seriously. Macrame, <laughs> like you, you name it. And she's super into the crafts arts. But I had to bring her to the show. Like I mm-hmm. made a point to bring her when she was in town and she loved it. It's just she's an amazing artist and i hope that this like the crocker show brings her into more people's consciousness because she deserves it yeah and she was not a self-promoter she didn't really care to be famous but her works i think her works are so interesting and technically sound that you could respect her wishes and kind of leave her out of it and just appreciate her work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like you you could find Which something is, that she's created that really speaks to you because yeah. there's so much and it's isn't all that, vast. Isn't that what it's really about? Like, isn't that what it's yeah, she's like, about? Yeah, she's like the true artist. <laughs> true artist. She's not in it for the fame. <laughs> she's just in it for the love of the art. Love it. Love it. All right. Thank you so much, Ruth, for your work. Got a couple listener mails real quick. This one comes to us from Aisling. I hope I pronounced that right. That's a cool name. Yeah, I knew an Aislinn, so that's not far off. Oh, yeah. Hey, babes, I just want to say I fucking love you guys. Ditto. I was interested in art history for a while, and you guys really helped me not only get into art history as a major, but also to get back into actually doing art. I was actually supposed to start an art class today, but I got so nervous, unprepared, and probably in the company of more skilled people than myself that I had to skip class today, but I think I'll feel better and more ready for class next week by practicing in my apartment and listening to you guys. Oh, I hope you feel better and that you've made it to your class at this point. I definitely know that feeling. I do too. Like, yeah, especially like you always feel like everyone else is like looking at your work and they're not. They're focused on Mm -hmm. their own shit. But like, I totally know that feeling. But I hope you got to a place where you felt comfortable and that you're in your class and you're flourishing. I live in NYC and I listen to you guys a lot while at the Met or even when I'm just walking around the city. You guys also got me into face sponsors art. I fucking love her too. Hey, guess what? So do I. (laughs) That makes me so happy. I know, me too. She's amazing. Seeing her work, listening to you guys discuss the process and ritual of creating and getting back into art myself has got me more interested in researching the array of materials and processes that go into making art so that I can explore and create my own techniques and identity as an artist. However, there's so much to talk about and a lot of it is so complicated, as with Faith Sponsor's work and its connection to alchemy. I was thinking that maybe you guys might be interested in doing more podcasts like the Alchemy episode that go into the history of materials and ritual, while also featuring other artists that talk about how they went about researching and discovering their own unique and creative materials and techniques. Even for listeners who aren't artists or art history students, I think that the subject of material and ritual is very interesting, and I think is often overlooked or unnoticed by some people. Also, I know it's been mentioned in listener mail before, but I would love to hear an episode or series of episodes on mental illness and art. The subject is broad, and there's a lot to talk about, but such an important topic, and it makes me happy to hear people talk about it. Thanks again for everything you guys do. You make me happy, and I love you all. 
Man, that was a good one. That is a good one. We definitely, it's like at the top of our list. We're excited to do the mental illness episode too. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's such a big episode. I think we want to really be able to do do that one. Yeah, Yeah, like do that one right. But that one will be coming. But I do like that idea. I think, especially I know for myself, like Natalie and I were just talking about really feeling disconnected from like art making. Mm -hmm. And I, as much as I love reading books about art, I want to like touch some stuff and like, I would like to get a little more in touch with material myself. So that would be a good thing to explore, I think. And anyone who has specific materials that they want us to talk about or that they think would really lend themselves to this topic, because it's just so hard for me to think of another material that we could get into the same way we could with Faith, because it's so unique and personal to her, or at least from what we know. Like, we don't know anyone else who does that, and neither does Faith. So it's so specific. If you're an artist out there that's creating your own stuff. That's what I mean. Then write to us, because... We'll talk to you. We'd love to have you on and talk about it. And yeah, that would be great. We're glad you guys enjoyed that because we definitely did. But it's good to hear that other people love faith just as much as we do. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So thank you so much for that email. That was a a good one. Lots of good stuff in there. I have one other one that's just, it's just got a good chuckle out of it. This comes to us from Corrine. Hello, ladies. I almost fell out of my chair laughing during the abstract expressionism episode. During the end, in an off topic aside, going brawless came up. Ladies, I am in my late 30s and nursed each of my three babies for a year apiece. If I ever even thought of going brawless, I'd trip myself. (laughs) I'm not sure why I felt the need to tell you that, but that's what you have to look forward to. (laughs) Anyway, I love the podcast, although I do get backlog of episodes fairly quickly since I don't listen to them when my kids are around. This means I listen when school is in session and I'm grocery shopping, driving to pick someone up or cooking when I make everyone go to the basement to play. (laughs) Don't call CPS. It's a furnished basement and their toys are down there. (laughs) And it has the added benefit of me being able to close the door and not see thousands of Lego pieces dumped all over the floor. You guys make the artist so interesting that I'm... Stopping to try and Google artwork at red lights or in the checkout lane. I'll stop my rambling enough to say thanks and goodbye, Kareen. I really enjoyed that. That's just... I did too. I remember reading that one when it came in yeah. and I was totally giggling to myself. I love hearing about like how you guys listen to us and stuff. That's really yeah. fun. It, if it, you ever feel like you don't want to write in because you don't know like the right thing to say or whatever, like we appreciate it all. Yeah, like I feel like I those were two messages on very opposite ends of the <laughs> spectrum, right? but I love them both equally. Like yeah. one was very personal to us and art and everything, and one was kind of off topic, but they were both fantastic and make me feel so warm and inside. And I also appreciate when people join in on the conversation yeah. in the top off topic asides because uh-huh. they're obviously fun for us so i enjoy hearing that you guys connect with them too and it's just another fun perspective on the topic of going brawless (laughs) (laughs) which i literally do every day of my life so (laughs) so thank you so much kareen and aisling for writing in we appreciate all the listener mail we appreciate all our listeners hope you enjoyed this episode on ruth check her out give her amazing you guys give her some more attention even if she doesn't want it (laughs) yeah drown her in your love yeah for real yeah thanks we'll see you next time bye bye from
inestimable, inestimable. <laughs> doesn't sound right. No, it doesn't. But I, I... inestimable. Yeah, that's what it is. The Art History Babes podcast is made possible by support from our lovely listeners via Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash arthistorybabes to help keep the Art History Babes going and for access to bonus content. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.